You are tired of average. You want more out of life. You know you're capable of something greater. This show will help you become resilient in your home, at work, and in your community. Welcome to the Resilient Humans Podcast with your host, Kevin Wood. Welcome back to the Resilient Humans Podcast. Always say we have a special guest, but this is an extra special guest because it is my first repeat guest. This is it. This is crazy. It's wow. Mark Black. Mark Black was on episode 29. So if you haven't listened to it, I would suggest to go back and listen to it. Episode 29. We talked all about resiliency. He is what I would describe as Mr. Resilient. Uh, because, and I'll repeat it again, if you didn't listen to the episode, uh, the recipient of a heart and lung transplant and the only man in history to run a marathon with somebody else's heart and lungs. So that, that alone is unique and, and insane and all in the same time. So please welcome Mark Black. Mark, how are you doing today? I am fantastic, Kevin. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me back. It's so cool. This is the first repeat guest. That's, that is, this is the first for me as well. So that's very cool. Right on. I de- I have a few others that say they're going to come back, but we haven't done it yet. So you're yeah. the first official. So I'm glad Love it's it. you because you were my uh, you were my speaking coach. Uh, yeah. Last year, I think it was. Yeah. That seems so long ago, but I know. Yeah. Anyway, I know. It was definitely help. I know that you're this. This should come out. When, when's your next uh, speaking course going on? Anyway, uh, it is coming out in a week and a half from now. Yeah. So right around the right time. Yeah. Yeah. So this, this episode may not be out by then, but yeah. uh, we'll try to get out. If it is, um, I'll share your links in the, in the description below. So cool. Cool. Uh, Mark, I would love to know a few things. Uh, first, we, I introduced you with the double lung and heart transplant. How did that become the message of your life? Um, you know, I think like all of us, we are formed by our challenges, uh, more than our successes. And, you know, this was, was by far the biggest one I've had to face in my life thus far. Uh, and so it very organically, it just sort of became something that a people were curious about because it's a rather unique experience. And so I would, you know, go around and kind of do these little speeches at, you know, rotary clubs and lions clubs and things like that. People asking me about it. Uh, and then ultimately I turned, I turned that into a career and became a professional speaker. And that story was kind of my foot in the door. It was my credibility piece for why anybody would listen to me. Cause when I started, I was, I was 26 years old. I had never had a quote unquote real job in my life. Um, and, and here I was trying to stand in front of, you know, people with more experience and more wisdom, uh, in in you know big levels in companies uh and somehow i was supposed to tell them something that they didn't know uh and so the story became my credibility i guess that's interesting i want what made you decide that though because you had you had the other option to not do that you could have got a regular job so what made you decide to go with it yeah i mean i think uh, so i had i had learned so much not just about myself but i thought about about life about what really mattered about how to maybe get through the challenges that we all face different kinds of challenges but we all face challenge it's a universal thing 
And I learned so much about maybe how to do that more effectively that I just wanted to share that. I thought if, if I can spare somebody some of the suffering I went through um, by, by sp- in my struggle to cope with this, these things and the things that I figured out over time uh, that made it easier to cope with a very challenging situation and somebody else can benefit from that, then it's not fair of me not to do that. And so there was a, a kind of partially a responsibility. And then partially, partially I, I grew up, I was doing speech contests in like the fifth grade and I was on <laughs> theater, theater stages in middle school and high school and university. So being in front of people and kind of quote unquote performing was, was something that came very naturally. So what might've been uh, an obstacle to many people or something that, that would have caused resistance uh, was not an issue for me at all. And so, yeah, the two kind of went together. I went, okay, I've got this message I think I can share. And I, I like being in front of people. So the kind of natural melding of those was to maybe try and be a speaker. That's cool. And you mentioned earlier that, you know, it was almost like a, a duty to, to help people. I know you've, you've talked, you've been a speaker in front of over 150,000 people. Do you feel like you're, you're doing your mission? Do you feel successful in that? Yeah. I mean, uh, yes, I think, uh, I mean, yes and no. Look, look, I think anybody that's a high achiever would always say, uh, we're always looking at the things we haven't done yet that we still want to do or the things that we could have done better. And that there's a long laundry list of those things for me. But uh, having said that, I do feel like most days I wouldn't trade what I was doing for doing something else. I feel like I'm I'm walking in my purpose and doing what I was was meant to do, um, which is a really gratifying thing to and and a very a thing that I feel very privileged and fortunate to be able to say because I know that um, that is not the case for many people, and I have the the fortune the good fortune to be able to do that. I like what you said there, walking in my purpose. I've never heard it phrased that way before. I So I wrote that down because that's good. Um, obviously, talking in front of that many people, do you have any individual people that you know that you've had an influence on that you've kind of helped specifically that really that stuck with you? Yeah, I, it's it's something I wish I could gift to everybody because I think everybody who brings all of themselves to their work deserves to know the impact that they have and most people don't i have the luxury because of the nature of what i do that people will write comments on on my facebook posts or send me emails or texts or uh send in evaluation forms various feedback mechanisms that let me know that i've had an impact and then sometimes i get a message from i did a lot of youth speaking when i started and i'll get messages from kids that i spoke to three four five six years ago that say oh when you said this like I took that to heart and here's where I am now. Uh, and that's super rewarding and gratifying and fun. Yeah. I completely relate to that. Even going back to when I was a teacher, it was the things that I didn't say on purpose that, that kind of stuck with people that yeah. you get, you hear those stories like 15 years later and you're like, what really? Anyway, sure. But that just, I think that speaks to about like who you are and who I am and like, you know, the types of people that we are, these are messages. Again, like you said, we are walking in our purpose. And so everything that we say is genuine and true. We're, it's not, it's not like a sales thing or anything. Right. It's like 
We right. genuinely want to help people. Right. And you have a very specific mission for that. Right. And, and, and your, your way, you know, walking the talk too, right? So it's not, it isn't just what we're saying. It's, it's what we're doing and people watch you do what you say and, and execute on what you talk about. And I think we would both agree that uh, certainly I found this with my kids, what you model gets absorbed at a way deeper level than anything you could ever say, right? They're, they're watching way more than they're listening. And so, um, you know, I think that, that really matters as well. And I see that with what you do all the time. You know, you're, you, you, we talk about some of the same things, but then I, I also watch you, um, you know, executing on those things and showing people, not just telling people. And I think that really matters. Awesome. What's, can you describe one of your most resilient moments, obviously outside of the, the, the heart and lung transplant? Yeah. That's obviously the number one. What's the next in line? Uh, it's definitely March through March of 2020 through December of 2020. So, uh, when the pandemic hit, obviously it impacted everybody at various levels. And I was fortunate that by and large, it didn't affect me on a health level, although I did get COVID three times, but was fortunate to never get super sick. Um, but obviously it decimated my business. I mean, I, I was a full-time professional speaker. I, I earned something like 90% of my revenue was from standing in front of groups of people speaking. And then March happens and everything shuts down. So we, I remember Kevin, we were, we were coming back. We had just come back from uh, March break. So we'd gone away to Florida for a week, you know, spent too much at Disney, like all of the cliches. Uh, we got home 12 hours under the cutoff for when, um, for when isolation began. And the next week, I just fielded phone call after phone call, email after email, canceling every booking on my calendar for the foreseeable future. Like, so my whole projected income for the year disappeared in five days. And I went, holy smokes, like, what are we going to do? Um, and thankfully, I had been working on this framework and I'd lived the experience of the transplant, which also helped. And so I was fairly quickly able to go from uh, something I talk about in the book, uh, go from, oh, no, to now what? So like, oh, no, my life has just been turned upside down, my career may be over or at least it's gone pause as I know it for a long time. And five, six, seven years ago, I probably would have kind of spun out in that space for a long time. And instead I had a day of kind of like morning slash freaking out and then went, okay, now what, what am I going to do about this? And started to examine the possibilities and the options of what I could do from go get a quote unquote real job to how might I continue to do this work in a different way? And ultimately what ended up happening um, with with the help of, of some resources to kind of keep me going until things came back a little bit, we started to learn how to do this virtual stuff. 2020 was the worst year I'd had in business in 17 years, but 2021 was my best year ever. And I didn't leave this home studio that I created. So that turnaround, was the probably greatest moment of resilience since my surgery. And it was also 
a really affirming proof to me or like a, a case study for the tools that I'd been teaching all along. I was like, oh, this stuff really works. And it doesn't just work in that one context. It works. It works other, other places too. So before we continue this conversation of resiliency, would you define it for me? How do you describe it? So my definition is that resilience is not bouncing back. It is growing through. I think that the misconception, misunderstanding that a lot of people have about resilience is that we bounce back. We, something happens, we recover and we get back to about the business of wherever we were before. And the problem with that is that there is no such thing as going back, right? Like we can't go back in time and we are not who we were before. We're not, you're not who you were yesterday, let alone who you were prior to some major adversity striking, nor should you be. If, if you're doing this right, the most resilient people I know are better versions of themselves, not in spite of, but because of the biggest challenges that they faced. Why is that important? Because otherwise it's wasted, um, right? Otherwise it's just, it's just pain for the sake of pain. Like the, so the pain, I forget whose quote it is. Someone said pain uh, is inevitable, but suffering is optional or something mm. to that effect. Yeah. Right. Yep. Um, and, and I, I believe that's true. I think that we are all going to face challenge. We're all going to face obstacles and sometimes it's going to hurt, but we don't need to stay there and we don't need to let that define us if we decide not to, um, or at least not define us in a negative way. I think it actually can define you in a, in a positive way if you, if you leverage it well. Um, and, and I always, I always say the, the people who we most admire, uh, this is maybe not true anymore. I think the people we used to most admire, I think our culture has changed a little bit in this regard. Um, we admired them not for so much for what they accomplished, but for what they overcame to accomplish those things in the first place. If you think of the heroes of our world, you think of the the Terry Foxes um, is one of, is one of my my heroes. Running across Canada is is a pretty cool thing, but he's remarkable because of what he overcame and why he was doing it in the first place, uh, and less because of the actual achievement. That's, it's interesting that you say that because when I was going through my Enlifted course, that was my problem, aka opportunity, where I said, I have not felt like I've gone through a deep, hard struggle in my life. Therefore, how can I be successful? Hmm. Like when I, when I look back, I think high school, pretty average, like everything was just like floaty average, pretty average. My parents are still together. I've never spent the night in a hospital in my life. Like I would say that's pretty fortunate. So how can I be successful or looked up to if I've never gone through some deep, hard struggle like yourself and others? And I, I, I hear what you're saying. Um, I think that the, the reason people would look up to and listen to you is because perhaps because of that fact, you've chosen to create challenge for yourself that was maybe not, in, uh, that didn't occur naturally. So, so you weren't these, 
these challenges were not thrust upon you, but what have you done instead? Well, you've, you've pushed yourself to the limits physically. I know that from, from the, the work you do in the gym. And then I mm -hmm. saw the, the ice bath challenge that you were doing for, <laughs> and I don't know if I assume you're still doing, yeah. um, um, and you, you know, you push yourself out of your comfort zone and you've done theater, you're doing speaking. So you do these other things that push you to stretch your limits and go beyond what is comfortable intentionally, uh, which by the way, I think is the, the best way all of us can train ourselves to be resilient so that when the inevitable challenges arise, because I don't believe anybody makes it to the average lifespan of 70 or 80 years and can just go, oh yeah, life was pretty much smooth the whole time. Like everybody deals with something. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's where you have, that's where your credibility can come from is you're like, look, I, I chose to, to create challenge for myself and embrace challenge and overcome those challenges and make myself better. Um, in some way that's even more admirable because you could have not done it. Like I didn't have a choice, right? right. People, people sometimes are like, wow, I can't, you know, I can't believe you did this, this, and this. And it's like, well, what's the alternative? Like lay it down and die. Like <laughs> didn't really have an option. Dude, I had to some people it choose that. Some people will choose that. Right. So don't, don't say you didn't have a choice because there definitely was, you just fair. made the right choice. I think fair, fair enough. Fair enough. But, right. but you understand what I'm saying is like, yes, you know, it, you got to figure this out. And, and so you figure it out because you don't have, you do have a choice, but in order to continue living some quality of life, you had to find some sort of solution to the problem. Yeah. And, and so that, I'm glad you said that because I want our listeners to know you don't have to have gone through struggle. You, you can create your own and build up a bank. I think that's, you talked about that in our, our episode 29, um, building up like that memory bank, basically of all those hard things. So those that felt like the, like me, where you haven't gone through something, yes, put yourself into these challenging situations. Walking through the doors of a CrossFit gym for the first time can be scary as hell. Mm -hmm. That could be your hard thing. Mm -hmm. It might not be run a marathon. It might be do a couch to 5k, whatever it is, but that's, that can be your challenge. It's something that's getting you out of your comfort zone so that you can learn to be resilient. And I believe that you also believe that, that resilience can be a learned skill or habit. It is. How it's it's a hundred percent a learned skill. I don't, I don't even know that it's a can be, it, it just straight up is. So it, the people who appear to have it like in their DNA is probably because they had something thrust upon them at a young age that forced them to do, to learn it. Right. right. And so yeah. it seems like it's innate for them. It's no more innate for me or you than it is for anybody else listening to this right now. It's just that some of us didn't have a choice, but to figure it out and you might have the option to, to learn it before you need it. Um, and sure, we all have we all have default personalities, and there's some there's some nature here, but it's mostly nurture. It's mostly learn. It's mostly a skill set, a, a, a compilation of skills and mindsets that you can foster and grow and improve on. Uh, I am more resilient today than I was five years ago because I'm intentionally working on it, and, I, and I'm talking about it all the time. So I feel the the, mm. the requirement to walk the talk, right? To figure it out. Um, but yeah, that, it, and I, I get it. So I, I empathize. I try not to, to be flippant about this, 
but it almost makes me angry when someone says, well, that's just not who I am. Well, then, then make it who you are, <laughs> figure it right. out. Right. And, and something you mentioned that I think is also important to, to, to talk about here is, yeah, and we all do it. I do it too. Um, but this idea of like, oh, well, my life is, has been easy and yours was, was so hard. Like that, that sort of sentiment, I get that often. And, and I think we have to be careful about the comparison. Um, I think most of us are conscientious of this when it comes to comparing um, the good things. So we know that it's not particularly helpful to like try and um, keep up with the Joneses, even though we may fall into the trap. We're kind of aware like this is probably a bad idea or I shouldn't want, you know, this car or this house just because my friend has it or whatever. We get that. But most of us will fall into the trap of of thinking, oh, well, my problems aren't as big as their problem. Well, what right do I have to complain? Because my gosh, they're, um, look, everybody's, everybody's experience is unique. And so, yes, my health challenges were dramatic, but I'm not sure that I would have coped with my parents getting divorced as easily as some of my friends did who went through that. And I didn't fortunately have to go through that. So how do you compare apples and oranges and say that, oh, well, this challenge is way bigger than that challenge? Sometimes it's obvious, but I think a lot of times we we make judgments that it's just unfair to compare the two. It's true. And when you say that, I'm thinking back on my life as well. Like what's what didn't seem like that much of a challenge to me would crush somebody else, right? Or vice versa. Yep. So like same thing, gyms got shut down when COVID happened within like, I think it was hours, not days, but within hours, we kind of pivoted our entire business model to like, okay, we're an online gym now. That's what we do. We train people online and that's how we survived. That, right. that was it. Right. Right. So, but I don't know right. how, how, many gyms, how many gyms shut down and how many gyms didn't recover a lot. Right. Yeah. A lot. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so maybe, well, not maybe it's, it's a matter of building up those resilient, resilient habits before that which made that just, well, this is just what we do. It's just, and like you said, it's, it, it might seem like it's in my DNA. I can assure you it is not. <laughs> I did not grow up like this. That's not how it works. Um, you know, back in the day, I used to BMX race on the Salisbury road and that was my, my challenge and fun. And it took until I was, geez, I think the last year I was there, I was maybe 12, 12 or 13 years old. And I had set a goal to win every single race. And so I did. And I won the biggest trophy they had at the end of the, the, the award ceremony at the end of the year. Um, so those are the things like that's those little resiliency habits and, and, and strategies and challenges have happened for a very long time. And you, like you said before, you build up that bank and you start to recognize, well, this is, this is something that I can get through. I've been through other things like this and, it should be no problem. Yeah. One of the tools that I give my, my coaching clients and my speaking clients, it's a really simple phrase, but it's incredible. I use it all the time. I think it's pretty powerful. And it's simply this. It says, if I can do that, then I can do this. And the context is whatever challenge you are currently facing, there is a incredibly high probability. It's not the hardest thing you've ever done. Yeah. Very rarely will it be the hardest thing you've ever done. And so if you can then go back in your memory bank and go, wait, I'm the same person who overcame this, 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 and this, and now I'm facing this thing. Like, 
big deal. Yep. It's so easy for us to get caught in the weeds and, and, and become overwhelmed. We, we, but if we just kind of pull back a little bit and go, wait a minute, if, if I'm the person that can overcome that, then this is a cakewalk. All right. Let's shift gears. You wrote a book, a second book, I believe. Your first book was uh, Living Life. Live Life from the Heart was, uh, yeah, 2007. Can't believe it's been that long. <laughs> um, yeah. And so the new book is called The Resilience Roadmap. There it is. It's uh, um, seven guideposts for charting your course in a chaotic war- world. And so it's a seven part framework on how to do difficult things, how to go through difficult things in a constructive, proactive way. And really what I did was I said, I reverse engineered my, my transplant journey and, and said, okay, what were the things that I did, we did as a family, et cetera. And then do those hold up in other examples. And with, you know, the, 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 the present, so I built a present, I did it backwards. Uh, compared to what most speakers do. Most speakers will write a book and then go speak about the book. Right. I wrote the speech and then, and then explained and expounded upon it to, to create a book. Um, so I've been doing this speech for four or five years now and working with clients, uh, on the framework in coaching. And so I knew that it worked and then it was just a matter of, okay, I need to get it out there so that it'll reach more people. And so that's, that's where the book came from. That's cool. I can, I can picture myself doing the same thing. Like all these podcasts, you're, this is now episode 60. Um, just talking to all these people and doing all these speeches and workshops. It's like, okay, I'm developing this like database of like strategies that people can actually use. And mm-hmm. there's, there's a book out there. I can see it. It just has to absolutely some advice on how to get that started. So um, you talked about these guideposts. Can you kind of maybe not go through all of them, but maybe pick, pick one or two that, that you could kind of give our, our listeners a little glimpse of. Yeah. I think the, the three biggest ones, uh, and they're in the middle, they're kind of the crux of the whole thing are acceptance, adapting and aspiration. So whenever adversity strikes, we have to start with, well, that's actually, there's a step before this, but the, the crux of where we really get into dealing with it is to say, okay, let me delineate what I control from what I don't in this situation. Because inevitably what will happen is we will all resist in, in within the context of that problem and try and solve things that we that can't be solved or try and change things that can't be changed. And that shows up like complaining. It shows up like reminiscing about the past it shows up as resistance to change it shows up in lots of different ways um when a COVID is, is a universal experience and so um or at least something that we can all connect with in some way and so i think about how many times we heard the phrase um let's get back to normal or let's get back to the way things were um until you know i think most of us realized at some point a couple of months in that that wasn't going to happen. We had to accept the fact that life had changed. And uh, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, obviously there was lots of bad about COVID, but change in general and and the fact that things are not the way they used to be is not a bad thing. Uh, yet 
that's typically what we think we want we want we have this weird dichotomy as human beings right where we crave novelty we need things to change and be different otherwise we get super bored really quick <laughs> yep and yet we crave stability and predictability at the same time and so we have these like opposing things pulling us in different directions and depending on your personality type you lean more towards one than the other but we we all need both and so acceptance is about saying okay well what parts of this do i just need to let go of so that they're not occupying bandwidth in my brain um or or time or dollars or however else that shows up so that i can then do something about whatever it is i'm facing that's fine. The thing that can't like when it comes to the stability, but also needing variety and, and stuff. I think that's why everybody's so unhappy. It's just pulling you in all directions and you're like, I need stability, but I also want things to be different. And anyway, just a side thought. Yeah. Yeah. I know you, most of your speaking engagements um, are directed at helping professionals. Um, how can how can this book help those helping professionals? So, yeah, you're absolutely right. And and for those maybe who are like, well, what's that? What's helping professional? What's that mean? It's it's uh, a, a population segment, a demographic that I sort of coined to mean people who do what they do primarily because they have a, a deep sense of purpose or desire to do that thing and to help a particular group of people not necessarily because it pays very well and the other issue with this group of people is that they're often stuck between the people who they want to help and a bureaucracy that tells them how to do it so examples of these people are nurses doctors social workers teachers uh and there and there are others and so these folks are you know they know who they know what the people they serve need and because they're on the front lines they see it every day but they're often constrained by a system or a bureaucracy that says, well, yeah, but you can't do that and you can't do this. And here's how you have to do that. And so this book is about helping them to, to function within those confines more effectively and to um, find a level of satisfaction, despite the fact that it's never going to be exactly the way they want it to be. You know, one of the blessings of being entrepreneurs is that, we call our own shots. And so at some level, we kind of get to do what we want, how we want. It doesn't always work out, but at least we have that satisfaction of going, I don't want to do it this way. And I, and I can, and I might suffer the consequences of choosing the wrong way, but at least, at least I get to make the choice. It's Whereas a blessing these, and a curse. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Whereas these folks are always, my experience of, of working with a lot of them, I'm married to one is that they always have this sense of like things are kind of unfinished or or not quite the way they should be because of all of these constraints and they have to find some way to exist within that and not let it stress them out burn them out which is a, a major challenge yeah we, we obviously see that that burnout happening more often especially post-covid so um yeah. to the people that haven't uh had a chance to read your book yet is there one big takeaway um that they would have when if if they were to read this or i'll say when they read it um wow one big one what is it um i i guess the biggest the biggest thing i hope people leave with is 
confidence in their capacity to cope effectively with whatever it is they face. So one of my favorite quotes uh, is Marie Forleo. She's a coach and she says, everything is figure outable, which of course mm. is not a word, but it's, but it's a cool turn of phrase. It's been coined. Yeah. And, and the whole concept is you don't need to have the answers. You don't, you don't need to know the solutions to every problem. None of us do. But if you have the confidence to know you can find the solution, you can figure it out, then all of a sudden a lot of stress disappears, a lot of worry disappears. And you can therefore focus your efforts on fixing the problems and on on thriving despite the challenges or maybe even because of the challenges. And therefore you'll find more satisfaction, you'll make a bigger impact, you'll have less stress, um, all of those things that I think we all we all want. Totally agree. Um, how I'm interested to find out how you are personally continuing to work on your resilience. So I know you wrote the book, you have the roadmap. What are you doing specifically, practically to continue working on your own resilience? Uh, that's a great question. So I do cold showers. I haven't done the cold, uh, a submersion yet. Oh man, come on over. It's all ready to rock in the garage. No, it's going to be the next thing. Uh, but that is, so that's one thing. And I always say, uh, why do you do that? I say, I do it because I don't want to. Yeah. Um, and I still don't want to. And, but knowing that I, but forcing myself to do the thing that I don't want to do means I, I make, I have a little victory over myself. And so I'm always trying to, to do in, in that way is, is, is one concrete way, but all the time I'm trying to, to win those little victories over myself. Uh, I'm, I'm rebuilding fitness almost from scratch because after three bouts of COVID, I was, a, I was, a, I would consider myself a pretty fit guy prior and it just kind of decimated my fitness. And then also I allowed it to give me an excuse to, to not work out, uh, which, which, uh, is my fault. So I'm working on that. Um, and then I'm working on, on, uh, strengthening, I guess, or, or shoring up my business. One of the things that COVID showed me was that I had this massive weak point in the fact that I was totally dependent on being able to travel and speak in front of people. And if I couldn't do that, there was a big gap there. There was a big problem. Uh, and we, we solved the problem, at least for now, but there'll be other problems right now. Like I, who knows where AI goes? Maybe we have, we have, you know, virtual reality speakers and and AI generated content that makes writing books obsolete. So it's figuring out like what's what are the next things going to be, and how can I remain relevant and continue to serve uh, the people that I want to serve, uh, independent of a particular modality or way of doing that. Cool. It sounds like you're just being adaptable, which to me is one of the key components of being resilient is being adaptable. It is chapter four in the book. I think is all about, is all about it that. starts. It starts with an A don't yes. mo do most of them start with an A or do they, they all, they all start with a, yeah, they all start. I'm a big, I'm a big alliteration <laughs> fan. So uh, yeah, I should be able to just rattle off what chapter number that is, but let me look. It is, <laughs> it is chapter seven. Yeah. There you go. It's all about adaptation. Yeah. Sweet. Um, I know you are uh, a parent as well. How do you incorporate these philosophies into your own parenting? 
I, and I just want to preset, preset this by saying a lot of our listeners are parents and a lot of our listeners struggle with parenting, myself included. So oh, yeah. any oh, yeah. advice on that end would be great. Well, first of all, I, yeah, I struggle too, right? I think that's that's a universal experience. We always feel like we f- fall short of of who we want to be as parents, um, which is ironic because I I think about that all the time. I think as a kid, looking at my parents, and it seemed like they had it all together and they knew what they were doing. Yep. Uh, and now and now I know it's like, oh no, they they didn't probably know what they were doing either. Um, I'm fortunate that I had some some great role models because even though they probably didn't know everything they were doing they they made a lot of good choices which which is helpful but um yeah in terms of the resilience piece for me the biggest thing is allowing well it's, it's two things it's one allowing our kids to fail and and feel the consequences of those failures right whether that's in the context of physical things like sports and allowing them to to learn a new skill and and fail and fall down and physically actually like deal with the consequences of making the choice to you know jump off of something or run too fast or trip over something or whatever um but but also to encourage them to keep stretching themselves a little bit to try things that they're not sure they can succeed at um to put themselves in in positions that are maybe a little bit uncomfortable so that they can experience something new um and and give you know it's it's a delicate balance it's trying to it's trying to figure it out but like supporting them without hovering being there when they fall but allowing them to fall so not running in front of them with their your hands out like trying to catch them mm-hmm. letting them fall but then being there to to pick them back help them get back up and try again um and making that making it a safe thing to do to try and experiment with things um and I also really work hard at praising their effort versus their innate ability um, or the results. So one of the things I think that we do as parents, as humans, but certainly as parents, is we'll say things like, um, oh, you know, you're to the for some reason with girls especially oh you're 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 so pretty or i love your hair or 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 you're so strong to the young boy or or whatever it is or um or you know i'm so glad that you got a 95 on this test or way to go for winning the game instead of saying you know i really love how you hustled at, at that play i really love how you ran really hard after that ball or i really love how hard you studied for this test regardless of what your mark was or we had this with this conversation with her daughter recently was she's struggling with with high school math and she's getting pretty anxious about you know tests and the exam actually she's first day of two-day exams today um and i kept telling her look emma we, we we care about how hard you prepared way more than we care about the result look we want you to pass the class and all that stuff obviously but as long as you're putting in the effort then we're we're going to support you no matter what Right. I'm way more concerned about you prepping properly than I am about whether or not the evaluation gives you the mark that that we hope you get, um, because I th- that's what we control. Right. Yeah. When you get out into the world, you control your effort, you control whether you show up, you control whether you do your best. The chips are going to fall where they're going to fall. And sometimes they fall in your direction. Sometimes they don't. I have a, a T-shirt from CrossFit New England, and it just says pride and effort. And the message is. You know, you can be happy with your results, but 
put more pride in the effort that you put into those, regardless of outcome. It doesn't matter. If you give it, if you gave it your all, if you put in your effort 100%, then no matter what the result, you can walk away with your head held high. Right. And, and wouldn't you, I mean, the other thing is if you, if you do that consistently, the results will come, right? That, right. The, the, the results will, will follow. Um, now, obviously in athletic competition, there might be somebody stronger, faster that day, and there's nothing you can do about that. And that, that that's the other thing is to understand that to, to really get bogged down in the fact that you didn't win because somebody else was just stronger or faster that day is just so counterproductive. There's nothing, you can't control that person. So what can you control? You can control your effort and how you show up and you can, you know, train harder next time or whatever it is. But at the end of the day, as you said, if you've done that work and you did everything you could to prepare to, to perform well and you performed to your best, that's all you can do. That was the lesson that I took from coming back from Pan Ams. Like, I came in fifth, a bunch of people beat me by a lot of weight. Didn't matter. I still got my own records. Like for me, I lifted more than I did ever before in my entire life. Wow. That's, that's what I, that's what I put my energy in and success into is like, I beat me. That's crazy. I don't care about anybody else. That didn't matter. Like literally didn't matter. And I think that's the cool part about like events, like weightlifting where it's, it's just you against you. You yeah. can tune out everything else. Nothing else matters. It's just you and the three referees sitting in front of you. And that's it. So that's, I don't know. That's why I like those types of events. Cause you can only, you only get to focus on yourself and it's the best part. Yeah. And ultimately that's the case in every domain in our life, really. Right. I mean, it, it's very tangible in that context, but it's yeah. true everywhere. Right. Like, yeah. Can I be a, a better parent today than I was yesterday? Can I be a better spouse today than I was yesterday? Like, that's all I can be. I can't be you. You can't be me. And comparing that is pointless. Can I, can I be a better version of me tomorrow than I am today? That's, that's all you can really hope for. I think that's one of the main problems with social media these days is that it's too easy to look at the highlight reel of somebody else <laughs> and say, damn, look at that. Look what they're doing. And you know, I, I pulled the opposite and it's like, I made a whole thing about reasons. My kid is crying. I'm like, this is how much today sucks right now. Cause like, she's pissed off that we turned left instead of right. When we went to the grocery store, what the hell, right? I wanted to show people the other side of it. It's not all sunshine and rainbows and laughing and smiling. Sometimes there's meltdowns for absolutely no reason. So mm -hmm. I enjoyed showing people the other side. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's important. Um, if we're going to, if you're gonna, so I think that, you know, playing the comparison game is just silly, but if you're going to do it, you have to at least do it in both directions, right? right? You have to, you have to, if you're going to look at the other person and go, wow, I wish you also have to look at someone who's not as fortunate as you and go, man, I'm, I'm so lucky. I'm pretty lucky. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Uh, Mark. I'd like to end all of my episodes with the same question. I will ask it to you again, and maybe you'll have a different answer. I'm not sure. We'll see. But what is one piece of practical advice that somebody listening to this could go out and do either today or tomorrow to become a more resilient human? Get uncomfortable. Um, we live in, uh, in a place 
chances are depending on where you're listening to this, I guess, but we live in a place in a time where it is where we have the option to face very little challenge. If we want to, we can, most of us have the option to, to play it safe and, and kind of just be average. Um, but you'll miss out on a lot of life if you do that. So get uncomfortable and see what happens and you'll, you'll create opportunities and experiences for yourself that you probably wouldn't have had otherwise. 100% 100% agree. Mark, it's been great to have you on again. Is there anything else you'd like to say? Uh, when does your book come out, by the way? The book is uh, will be available June 26th um, and at, at theresiliencerobemapbook.com, theresiliencerobemapbook.com. Um, yeah, and if you happen to be listening to this and you're ignoring uh, uh, a member of an association or an organization, uh, we have some cool packages where you can book me to speak for free when you buy books for everybody. So um, markblack.ca is the website if you want to check that out. Wait, well, June June 26th is the release date of this episode. So it's perfect timing. Love it. Isn't that awesome? I did not know that. And it's just the way it worked out. That's awesome. So it will be live. As you listen to this, it is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever books are sold, basically. That's so awesome. Very cool. All right, Mark. Thanks for coming on again. It's been great having you. To talk to you again. Thanks. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest episodes, be sure to subscribe and I'll see you next time.